Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 240. I'm your host, Blaine Putvang. I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good afternoon. And Treg Wilson. Good afternoon. So it is Sunday, the 13th of March, and we've gone a full week without an episode. Um, it's been a long week. We've been fairly busy. Stuff's going on, Matt. Yeah, how's, blame the day, how's the blame, Air Force? Blame the day job, that's for sure. Blame the day job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not like there's a war going on oh wait a minute oh inv- invasion can't, can't say war yet <laughs> it's a war we already know. it's a war <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes uh, air force is doing well though other than that okay treg yeah. uh for some reason c training came to a land unit and we had to run around with our heads cut off uh doing nothing and then uh <laughs> And I also have a, a grandbaby expected any moment. So we're on call for that. So. Yeah. The expanding Wilson Empire. That's right. First boy since me. Whoop, whoop. Finally. Maybe this one, will they'll raise it right. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so it's been a fairly eventful week for the Canadians. They've had a few games they've done some stuff so uh why don't we just dive into the injury update uh as of last night Kyle Clegg has been placed on the IR uh Edmondson has been called up or Edmondson sorry um Schooneman has been called up Edmondson will not play tonight against Philadelphia after playing last night against Seattle uh it looks like they're kind of easing back into the games there because of his back um, and it's looking like, uh, Dvorak and Drew Air will be coming back sometime this week. It'd be interesting to see how they do under St. Louis. Seems that almost everyone else has got a little, it's got a boost with him as the coach. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have been shit talking, um, Dvorak this season. A lot of people have been obviously shit talking Drew Ann because that's what people do. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see, see what the lineup matchups are going to look like, see what the team's going to look like, obviously, after the trade deadline. And uh, this might give them a little bit more of a boost. Obviously, they're still sitting at the bottom of the league, but uh, a little bit of a boost of a, a boost of confidence for guys that still have term left on their deals with the Canadians. It could be a good thing. 
Drillen, before he got injured, believe it or not, was one of the most consistent players on the team. So, I mean, I know people want to shit on him to shit on him, but uh, like I had a Twitter argument with one guy and I just kept throwing these stats out at him because he says, oh, he all he gets is secondary assist. Well, not according to this, Uh, (laughs) you know, and then they just kind of get quiet because people just want to shit on Drewin because he's the big French hope that didn't work out. The The thing with Drewin is you got to realize he's a secondary scorer. He's not a top line, 70, 80 point guy. He's a second line, second or third line. 50 point player and he's making 5 million which is about the average salary for a 50 point player so and if you believe what's going on with cotton emmy it's the average salary for a 30 point player now too so or just under five um so really i don't know i think Druin might thrive under martin st louis he's the type of player that uh, plays the way st louis wants his uh concepts to to work so, uh, you know, yeah, he's all free, about instinct. This one, all about instinct, all about whatever, uh, you match drew it. The question is, is where that like Dvorak will probably take over the second where Dauphin and Pitlick were sitting as he should, but yeah. with Pitlick playing so well, it'd be interesting to see where drew goes and where maybe Mike Hoffman drops off too. So yeah. I don't know. Hoffman's been playing very well recently. The last, and, and that's three, four that's, games. That's what I'm saying. Like, where's drew going to fit into this lineup? when he comes back, it's not going to be the first line. Cause they're not taking that line apart. Uh, the second line like with, the second. Ga- with Gallagher Hoffman and probably Dvorak when he comes back. Uh, so is he third line? I would have to, you would have to be third line. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume he'd be on the third line probably with uh, Pitlick and Evans. Evans. Yeah. And then you have Lekkanen with Paling and Maramiga. Yeah. Which, which or has Byron. been a very good line. Or Byron. I yeah. think I personally, I think Paling should be moved up in the lineup, but yeah. I always thought he should have filled in in that second line role with uh, while uh, Dvorak was out. But nothing against Dauphin. I th- I like Dauphin. I I think he'd be a good person to bring back as a fourth line center next year, but a thirteenth forward maybe. Yeah, exactly. As a fourth line center or thirteenth forward, not as the second line. Yeah, center. Take pocket spot on the uh, the roster. Who? The, the guy pocket. they sent down to the did uh, anyone the pick him up on waivers? Oh, not yet. No, 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 till two. Yeah, yeah. The pocket rocket. There's still another. As we record, hour? there's still another thirty minutes before the waiver wire closes. I don't. I don't see GMs lining up to pick him up off waivers, but you never. I wouldn't imagine. Why? Why? Why waste a roster spot on a guy that might be a thirteenth forward on your lineup? Does he even have a point? Uh, a couple, maybe. He- yeah, maybe a couple. As we all scramble to look. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm, I'm gonna not say even maybe. Bothering. I'll say maybe a couple. Uh, like he's definitely a depth guy, but no one's making waiver wire pickups at this time of the year. No, it's two, it's two, it's, it's two assists. Uh, they're going to save their cap, their cap savings as much as they can for the deadline that's coming up in about a week. As it goes for Dvorak, I see him slotting into that second line. And I think he's another guy that's going to do well. When he left Arizona, everyone in Arizona said, we got a great player. Yeah. Uh, then he got here and he didn't do so well, just like everyone else on the Canadians didn't do so well. Weird. But for some reason, the fans pick and point out certain people to throw all the blame on. Drew in Dvorak because he's the new guy. And we gave up, gave up a first round pick for him. Um, because everyone's expectations are way too high on people. Like, it's like, oh, we got this guy. He's going to be 
hundred point score. We no, like let's calm down, calm down, everyone. You know. By the way, Rem Piplick's now all by himself in eighth in rookie scoring. Just thought I'd throw that out there with his one assist last night. Honestly, I think Pitlick is showing to be uh, maybe the best waiver wire pickup for the Canadians. Well, definitely since uh, Byron, but maybe even better than Byron. If he sticks I, around I, for a couple of years like this, definitely. Totally agree. That guy could be a 20, 25 goal scorer easily on the third line, which is basically what Byron did on the third line, 20 goals. Yeah. Mind you, Pitlick, Pitlick gets power play and PK time, whereas Byron never got any power play time. So True. But still, but he's got uh, that speed. He's pending, pending RFA, right? So, yeah, he's he's only making about nine hundred ten thousand this year. Yeah. So I yeah. I have no problem seeing them qualifying him, keeping yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. But a guy, but a guy right now that's got 20, 25 points this season in forty two games, and then uh, yeah, I think I think he should definitely stay. And you know, to throw a bar at Kakeniemi, guy that's got. 23 points in 55 games it's going to sign almost a five million dollar contract but so so apparently pitlick is worth you know five and a half six million dollars in carolina in carolina yeah play the third fourth line yeah and (laughs) and we haven't seen the other pitlick lance pitlick hasn't addressed yet Uh, tyler 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 Tyler. oh sorry there's so many um (laughs) and come next year it could be a full line pitlick to pitlick to pitlick we'll see could be could be <laughs> um i think uh one thing i like about rem Petlick is he kills pet and this is where i i'm gonna throw a little toot out here where i did my lekanen story of whether they should keep him or trade him but i think rem Petlick is going to be a big could be a factor in whether they keep lekanen or not uh both are fas at the end of the season uh Lekin is making 2.3 now and he's probably going to ask for armia anywhere between armia and uh uh, what's his name there that was in, that Tampa traded for last year for the playoffs? Uh, Coleman? Barclay Goodrow? Coleman type money. Okay. Or Barclay Goodrow is another one yeah. you can use an example. So there you're looking at anywhere between 3.4 and $4.5 million yeah. uh, for, the, for the same type, a third, fourth, a third line, fourth line defensive type forward. Um, and really, I mean, at 26, I don't have an issue with that with Lekkonen. He's young. Sign him to a four-year deal and keep him until he's 30. Uh, but then you have Rem Picklick, who's 23, I think. 25. And, uh, 25. And he's he's killing penalties. He's scoring. Well, they're about the same in scoring right now. But. Providing about the same offensive output. Uh, Pitlick is not quite as good defensively, but... He's a little better offensively. Yeah, yeah. He's got some, and he's got some wheels, too. He can skate. The guy can skate. And you got to keep in mind too, if you're, you've already got Armia at 3.4 and that's, that's the contract right now that in my opinion, that's the one that's going to go. You're not going to, you don't, there's rumors out there that. Yeah. Drager, Darren Drager talked about uh, that. uh, There's teams that are calling teams that are interested, but it's, but it's really going to depend on the, what, what the, what the other side's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. The bottom line is you don't want to have two or three guys in your bottom six making three or more million dollars no, a year. No, not at all. Because you got, you got Paul Byron that's going to be down there making three and a half million as well. That's so right. You Thankfully, that's and, one more year. Right. Yep. You sign Lekin in a three and a half. Mind you, you only have Druin on the books for another year after this year. Yeah. So there's five million you could 
be gone within two years. But still, I agree with you, Blaine. I can't see you having over $10 million pretty much on your fourth line. Yeah, exactly. So take, uh, you know, with Pitlick there, who's providing what he is providing, then you have Yelonen who's knocking on the door. You need to make some space there. Would the, would the Canadians be better off in getting a return for Lekkonen and playing these guys? I think so. I think so as well, especially if he sell up right now, he's his, his value sky high. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you just sign him to a qualifying offer, you get one more year. And what if he doesn't have the year next year that he had this year, then they are going to be selling at a low. Yeah. So. Yeah. This is a career year for points for him. I think this yeah. is an outlier. He's agreed. He is a guy that he's going to get you 30 to 35 points a year. And he never cheats on the play. He's going to be that solid two-way defensive guy, but he's not going to be really putting up a ton of points this year. I think it's just an outlier. No, I, t- I totally agree. I mean, he might hit 20 goals this year, but I think he's a 15 goal scorer between 12 and 15 goals per year. Uh, I would even say 25 to 30 points a year, not 30 to 35, but uh, high 35. And uh, and it not only is it a career year, but you're going to be forced to give him that big contract if that's what he wants, because how can you sit there and say, you're not worth this when he can go, well, why is this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy? You know, his agents are going to say, well, all these guys are worth that. You have a guy in your own team, two guys on your team that are worth that, that do the exact same thing. So, and also keep in mind, if uh, Hughes and Gorton want to be players on the free agent market, they can't be keeping these guys to pay them because they, they'll need that cap space to sign somebody like say a Latang or a Bergeron. Yeah. Cause they did say a lot of people say got confused with this. Oh, they're, they're not, they're going to do the same thing Bergevin did and just patch holes and do this. They say they want to go on the free agent market and get a star player. They didn't say they wanted to just, Bergevin just went on a free agent and plugged holes with plugs, <laughs> Paquette, Perot, Savart. You know what I mean? Like he, they want to go out and have the money and be able to say, well, if we can get Bergeron, we're going after Bergeron. Go for a if Panera type of deal. Right. If we can't get him, well, we're not just going to get, you know, Joe center that, uh, you know, scored 10, 10 goals last year because he's a center. Um, that's, that's my belief anyway. So. All right. Well, we'll get back to the trade deadline stuff in a little bit. We'll, we'll touch on the Seattle game now. So the Canadians just finished a, a Western road trip. They went three and two came home, had a couple of days off and they played Saturday night at home in front of a full sellout crowd against the Seattle Kraken. And I mean, you couldn't have asked for better. Yeah, the it was, you know, first game after a road trip is usually the hardest. And you could tell that there was some rust. But the game was entertaining. They went to a shootout. Um, they gave up the extra point to the team ahead of them in the standings. So they got a point. They, they had a comeback. They got some goals. They looked pretty good. But they still fell back a little bit in the standings. So everybody's happy. I think uh, neon Coke guy threw off all the shooters that were shooting down on Grabauer because they all seemed to <laughs> throw the puck right where he was sitting. Um, they were very, even though they outshot Seattle, they were very flat in the first period. I thought, I, yeah, I didn't think, yeah, yeah. I, like all their shots were hitting Grabauer in the belly pad. They weren't very 
dangerous shots. They were just seemed to be getting in, throwing a shot at him. And, and Manju Grabauer was giving up huge, 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 huge rebounds. Like he yeah. was giving up and come the second period, they started easing in on that and guys were going to the middle of the ice and trying to pick up those rebounds. Uh, but what a great third period. Um, and over, and I thought the overtime was very entertaining. Like, even though no one scored, I thought it was a very entertaining. They went for back it. And, they, and which under Martin St. Louis, you got to be used to because he goes for it every overtime. Um, I don't understand that concept because I'm used to 20 years of, uh, you know, let's just <laughs> save our point, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, uh, and the shootout, I don't know. We I think we missed the net more times than we hit it. So out of the seven yeah. shots, I think we missed the net four times. So Monty high, played well though. Yeah, go I, go I, high glove. Always go yeah. high glove for whatever I'll, reason. I'll eat crow because I said I wasn't confident about Monty going into the uh, shootout, and I thought he played well. I thought he played well in the shootout. I think he was the the only reason it went to seven shooters. Yeah, I, I I knew they were going to score when they say that that guy's never scored a career shootout goal. Yeah. And as yeah. soon as they said that, I was like, "Well, this game's over." So, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is this is the St. Louis effect. Seeing this type of game, the third period was highly entertaining and was at a high pace because he was he was rolling the lines that were performing. So Suzuki's line, Paling's line, he was going back and forth with them for quite a bit of time. I mean, you look at the ice time, uh, Suzuki and Caulfield both had 23-42, 23-43. Like, that's a ton of ice time for, for a forward. Paling in the last period got about seven minutes of ice time. So Paling had a great game. Yeah. Paling had a very strong, good game. He had a real good jump to his step. Like, he had a ton of speed. And that little recovery play that he had in the second period, he got tripped up a little bit on a... Uh, partial two-on-one kick the puck up to a stick make a pass that just missed but just the the heads up play to do that that was that was impressive i think Paling's going to be a strong third line center when he when he when he finally uh and yeah i think that's why they got him playing down there the way he is they're not trying to give him too much already i think st louis kind of identified that and here this is your role we're going to let you ease into it here you go. We're not going to ruin you. We're going to throw in guys, you know, like Dauphin and Pitlick, who, you know, if it works out great, if not, who cares? Yeah, we're just going to throw them back on the wing on another line anyway. So, yeah. But uh, I, I'm, I was impressed with the paling last night. Romanoff, I thought, had a very strong game. And he's oh, yeah. Been, he's been kind of mediocre lately, but I thought he had a, and what a shot he had for that second goal. Um, uh, yeah, all around, like I say, it was a flat first period, but all around, uh, they, they, and this is what you learn to expect from Martin St. Louis. You get down by two goals or three goals at the first of the season, you're like, I'm just going to go watch something else now because this game's over. Uh, but with Martin St. Louis, you tend to stay around and watch because you know that they're not done. So, yeah, I, I give the team full marks on that one. I mean, yeah. it, in the past, you know, in the first half of the season, definitely they would have crumbled and lost 10 to two, but, but with, uh, with St. Louis there, the guys seem to want to play for pride at the very least they're professionals or they're, they're going for it. And it's like you said, it worked out for everyone. They, they lost a point in the standing stayed in last <laughs> place, but still played a strong game, made everyone go home happy. Yeah. Put on a good show. 
Shane Wright, here we come, even though we're probably going to finish third in that slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> One player that um, that uh, that uh, that stood out for me was Evanston. I thought he had a good game for his first game back of the year. He played uh, just over 16 minutes, so you can tell that they are trying to ease him back into this, but uh, he's just that um, solid net front guy. He's going to clear the front of the net. He had six hits last night. He's a plus one, a couple shots on goal, a penalty. But overall, I think that should bring a little bit more balance to the decor. However, obviously with Sherratt likely leaving, Petrie probably leaving at some point, Savard still out. You just lost, you know, your best defensive defenseman in, in Clegg to the IR. Um, you know, you, lo- you lose that kind of stuff. Then, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um for those not watching on YouTube, uh, Treg's shirt says, I speak fluent sarcasm. And he pointed at that after I said the Clay comment. Um, but um, last night, I, I really thought that that line, though, with Petrie was going to be a little bit more stable. But the fact that they played um, they played Petrie about eight minutes more than, than Edmondson, because obviously it's his first game back. But uh, right now, you got to look at the, the, the decor and who you're going to bring back. Who's gonna Who's gonna Who's gonna be moved? Obviously, the trade bait board, which we'll get into later on. Um, there's some names that could definitely move based on injuries to the, some of these top players that are supposed to move out from other teams. So, if I'm uh, if I'm Hughes and Gordon, I'm trying to exploit that as much as possible. Yeah, and especially with only a week left for the deadline, uh, the cap savings on pulling the trigger on a trade, say Monday, is not that big of a difference between Monday and Friday maybe $20,000 at the most. What, uh, I mean, are, are we getting into the trade deadline now? No, or? I'd like to finish up with okay. the Seattle game though. All right. Okay. Uh, thing, I'll, say, I'll say what I have to say later. Okay. Another thing, um, obviously power play. Oh that yeah. Was, that was like, if, you know, we can say whatever we want about positives in the game. That was not one of them. And it was just, you know, let's dump the puck around the boards and no one's going to be there. And they did that so many times last night. And it was just, we've talked, we've talked in length about their power play and some of the, some of the um, strong play that they've had for a few different games. And then all of a sudden it's just dropped off immensely, especially last night where you couldn't get, you couldn't get set up. You couldn't win faceoffs. You couldn't, you couldn't make a simple pass. And then for them to allow two shorthanded goals against, even though one was blatantly offside, you still allowed that to happen. And Montembeau still let the shot go through. Well, the first power play, they, they got zone entry. They controlled it. They got some good puck movement. They got a couple of shots off. Yes. The first that power play the was first good. one was good. Yeah. Then Weidman three got shots on the first one, but then Weidman got hurt. Yeah. And Petrie took over in his spot. And that's when we started to see the dump and chase crap on the power play because Petrie would, you know, take the drop pass and then, you know, kind of slowly wander up to the blue line and just slap shot corner, rim it around and then back out again. There was no controlled entries. I think that's been the, that was the big difference there. Giving up the shorthanded goals. Oh my God. Thankfully the Canadians won an actual, video review for a change it was kind of obvious yeah but <laughs> yeah. once you saw it you're like yeah that's that's well offside yeah <laughs> but nonetheless 
like you said, it did happen. It's still, they still got the goal, even though it didn't count, but they, they made a play to score a goal. So the power play was pretty bad. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree. The first power play was good. Like yeah. I thought they were actually going to score on it, but after that, yeah. it's like they didn't even bother trying on the power. Like one thing that hasn't changed since St. Louis took over is the power play. It's still crap. Well, he's, so. he's incrementally changing things. The five on five play is definitely lights out better. Defense is better. Goaltending is better. But you get into the special teams, that's where things start to take a shit. I think the um, penalty killing has improved, but well, they were two for three on the penalty kill. Yeah, and which, the one that they, and the one that they let in was taking one guy from the from the pile when Anderson got that call against him, right? So yeah, that was a terrible call. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bad call and all, uh, but it, they still allowed a goal on the penalty yeah. kill, and yeah. which yeah. honestly, a two for three on the penalty kill is better than what it was in the start of the season, which would have been 0 for 3 on the penalty kill. Because yeah. they were, when St. Louis showed up, they were about 28th overall yeah. in the penalty kill. Now they're about 27th. So yeah. Another thing I want to point out before we move on is, uh, you know, Grubauer tried to play the tough guy a couple times last night. You know, people <laughs> yeah. around his net and everything. Like he, he did the little hook to, into Armia. He did the same thing to... Lacking it yeah. in, in and, overtime, oh yeah, etc. Yeah, right. And like you knew no no calls were gonna come of that. But like I'm just thinking to myself, you're one of the most overpaid goalies in the league now. You got your contract by playing good hockey for a very good hockey team. And then all of a sudden you took the money and ran and yeah. I thought what like and it did though in overtime was the perfect thing to do. He knew he Grabauer he, was he knew Grabauer was trying to move the puck so that uh, the Canadians would get pinched there and he got in front of him. Yeah, and he said, "All right, throw the puck out. I don't yeah. care." I'll and, there's, and, and there's nothing and there's nothing wrong with that. He didn't yeah. interfere with the goalie. He he just didn't like it. Yeah, you're within five feet of me, and then you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He wasn't even in the blue ice. Technically, no. Lekkinen could have hit him. Should technically, <laughs> should have, yeah. Um, yeah. And officiating. We talked yeah. about this offline, but, uh, I wouldn't get into it. Sure. I mean, hockey night in Canada said that it was really good. Yeah. Hockey night they're in Canada, never wrong. Hockey night in Canada is in Batman's back pocket or something because it's, it's went downhill and we all know it's went downhill. And oh, like, yeah. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into details about it. I grew up and you guys grew up watching um, Hockey Night in Canada, watching Coach's Corner and all that kind of stuff. But it is true that since Don Cherry left, and I'm not going to get into why he left and why he was fired and how he was fired and everything like that, but the overall product has went downhill and not as many people are watching it anyway. Usually you now you watch a game like last night, you had the Montreal Canadiens featured on Hockey Night in Canada. And they went out of their way not to talk about the Canadians. Yes, I know there's an outdoor game in Hamilton. Yes, it's a moneymaker for the league. Yes, it's it's this, it's this, it's this. However, there's more shit to talk to about than that game in the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? People are watching Hockey Night in Canada, a Canadians game, and they want to hear about the teams that are playing. They don't give a shit about the Toronto Maple Leafs. There, I said it. So back to refing. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> getting back to getting back to officiating um, with with that, they brought up the whole Austin Matthews thing, and they brought up the fact that he got in the ref's face and it showed leadership and it showed everything else in terms of uh, his you know, his way of thinking after, after the game was over. You mean he was whining like a bitch? Yes. And that's exactly yeah. what it is. Right. I said this, Treg said this, multiple other people have said this. It is one that, that call that was, should have been against them or that should have been for the Leafs. Yes. It should have been a penalty. Was it called? No. Did he give up on the play? Yes. Did it cost the team the game? Absolutely. So you can say all you want that, yeah, it should have been a call. Until that arm goes up or the whistle gets blown, you don't give up on the play. You continue to play hockey until it, until it happens. He, yeah. let, he let his team down, but no one's going to say anything bad about, about the Leafs or about uh, Austin Matthews, especially on Hockey Night in Canada, because they are so fucking pro-Toronto that they bleed those fucking colors. And it's, it's the most frustrating thing to watch. As a fan of any other team. Yes. Well, I don't know how they get a, they'll never have a flat tire. Their tires are constantly getting pumped up. It's just, constantly. it's just the most frustrating thing to watch. And like, I know I'm not the only fan out there that thinks the same thing. It'll be interesting to see if Toronto ever gets back to being near the bottom of the league. And, and they will. Every team does yep. their cycles. They do their cycles. Uh, how that's going to be addressed on these shows because how can you pump the team up if like say much Toronto has a it's say in five years Matthews is gone you know and the everything's changing in Toronto because they haven't won they haven't gotten the first round yet and everyone's pissy and they're starting over um you know like what are you going to talk about (laughs) you know like you have seven other teams or six other teams in the in the Canada in the NHL yes you are a national broadcast I get it if the Leaf game's on, talk about the Leafs all you yeah. want. Yeah. But the Leafs game's not on. You know what I mean? It's a it's a Habs game or an auto or a Senators game yeah. or a, Flames or a or Winnipeg Oilers. game or Flames or well, I mean they're later. So if you watch the later game, they don't talk as much about Toronto because it's a West Coast team that's doing the show. Not but, as uh, much, but they still do. As much, they still do. <clears throat> you can't just talk about Toronto about everything. And not every player, like you look at social media. And Sportsnet put a thing out. Is Austin Matthews going to win the Heart, the Rocket, or yeah. score sixty goals? Which one? Yeah. Oh, he's getting the Vesna too. But it's like, first of all, there's a goaltender in New York Rangers who should be head and shoulders above anyone for the Heart Trophy right now. Agreed. Unbelievable. Yeah. Agreed. He he's is having nine, the a nine forty save percentage. He is having the best season for a goalie since I think Dominic Hasek did in the nineties. And yeah. uh, no one's saying a freaking word about it nope. here in Canada. It's all about, the, it's all about Austin be. Matthews. It's all, and Toronto fans wonder why everyone's so bitchy about Austin Matthews because it's all people ever hear about. Yeah. And they're t- that, is Austin Matthews one, a, an elite player? Absolutely. He is. Is he going to score is. 60 goals? Yes, he is. Is he going to run the rocket? Probably. Right. Should is he, he going to be MVP? No. Is, but is he going to be nominated? Sure. He could be top three. Sure. Yeah. Right. But here's what I say. You lose Austin Matthews on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Are they going to go down the toilet? No. No, they're not. Same if you lose McDavid on 
Edmonton. As long as dry sidles there, they probably won't go down the toilet. They won't be much better, but they're, you lose to, uh, I don't even want to, Shesterkin? Is that how you Shesterkin. say his name? Shesterkin, yeah. yeah. You lose Shesterkin on the Rangers, they are done. He is by far the reason why they're, they're at the top of the standings right now. Exactly. And that is what the Hart Trophy is for. The most valuable player of your team. Yeah. I mean, if Not- you're talking impact player, Shesterkin is the biggest impact. Yeah. Now, mind you, Toronto's offense, which Austin Matthews is a big part of, is a big reason why they're where they're at. I'll agree to that. Yeah. And I'll agree that, yes, he should get some – Look, consideration. as a heart candidate, consideration yeah. as a heart candidate, but is he the head and shoulders guy ahead? Like everyone on, on these, uh, like Sportsnet and TSN are saying, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, I think, so, I think Huberto, can... I think Huberto yes. is having a better season, a yes. more MVP like season than Austin Matthews. Yeah. He's about to break, I think the all-time record for assists by a left winger or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And so, how often have you heard that? Right now. Right yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's going to have over 90 assists, over 100 some points. Austin Matthews may not even get 100 points. Yeah, And yet, Uberdo barely even spoken about. No. no except, for if you're his, except for if you're his agent on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that. But, but yeah. it's true. Like, but he's yeah, a phenomenal this player. Is, this is he my is. point. Yeah. And a little bit goes to McDavid as well. Everyone talks, oh, how great McDavid is. And McDavid's going to do this, and McDavid's going to do that. But I mean, McDavid doesn't have the help Matthews has. Matthews has Nylander, he has Tavares, he has Marner, he has Riley, Riley. he has, you know, uh, I guess that's it. I mean, yeah. it's like uh, <laughs> it's like the, the rookie of the year candidate there, uh, Bunting. Yeah. You really think, even Alex Hobson from the Hockey Writers, Toronto Writer, he even says he would be nothing more than the third line player if he wasn't playing with Austin Matthews and... Yeah. Uh, Mitch Murray. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from him. He leads rookies in points and he's doing his thing and he's scoring his points. You can't. Uh, but I mean, I think Lucas Raymond is, is the call or actually Cider. Maurice Cider. Cider. Yeah. Or Maurice Cider. Uh, for a defenseman to be almost leading all rookies in points is. And then you got Rem Pitlick who's sitting eighth with 25 <laughs> points. Can't forget about him. That's right. So, uh, again, back to uh, officiating. Um, <laughs> I, I know I, I kind of derailed this a little bit, but uh, I'll bring it. I'm going to steer it back. Um, officiating, yeah. Um, again, ba- again, back to the panel saying that there's nothing wrong with officiating. There's nothing wrong with this. There's no deficiencies. There's no this. There's no that. I am a strong supporter of calling the calls Against any player, doesn't matter who's on the back of that jersey. It's the same thing is when all these people freak out on all these panels and say, well, did you really have to finish your check on Austin Matthews? Did you really have to finish your check on Connor McDavid? Yes, you fucking did. Because I'm tired of seeing all these, um, these, oh, it's the highlight of the night when a guy skates through four or five players because, and then they're like, oh, well, fuck, it's McDavid. I can't touch him. And yes, I know that McDavid has a lot of skill and he could probably get through these guys. But most of it, they're standing there pedestrian. They're not going to touch him because they know that a call is going to happen. And you see guys throughout the league, and I, I'll 
segue over to Treg for this one as we talked about it off air. But you take take a look at some of these players in the league like Gallagher, you take a look at Nazem Kadri, et cetera, that yes, I, I've never been a Kadri fan. Never been a Kadri fan. However, he gets the short end of the stick quite often. Gallagher he gets the same thing. And Brad then Marchand, you, Brad Marchand, et cetera. Um he takes a licking and he just keeps on going. Exactly. <laughs> but, but, but there needs to be more consistency. It can't just be like, we're going to take you because the name on the back of your Jersey, or we're not going to take you because the name on the back of your Jersey. I mean, and, going to, to and, go and, 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 and guys stopping the play or, or throwing their arms up. And like um, the other night when they played the Oilers and the stick was going over the, on, uh, onto the ice and, and Gallagher came and did the, did the big, the big stick flip and, the, and it yeah. flew up into the air. Did Gallagher need to do that? No. Did it impede him? It would have, it should have been a, it should have been a bench penalty, but I slowed that down and you could see McDavid on the bench when the stick goes up and he's right at the ref, like, Oh, what are you going to make the call? And it's, it, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be the fact that the, the players shouldn't, they said stop on the play and they shouldn't be the ones bitching to the refs during the play saying, you know, are you going to call that? Are you going to this? Are you going to this? The officials out there to make the call or not. We've seen very tight uh, called games. We've sent very loose tight, uh, very loose uh, called games, but there needs to be more consistency in the calls that are made. Um, Goaltender interference, slashing, checking from behind, anything like that. It, It really boils down to who's on the back of the jersey or sometime even the team that's playing and this is the biggest issue of refereeing. a penalty isn't determined on whether it's an actual infraction or not it's determined on who's doing the infraction who the infraction is against and what time of the game it happens what's the score yeah and what's the score so a referee in overtime or two minutes left in the game is not going to call an obvious a non-obvious penalty or something that you're like, okay, we can kind of let that happen. That's not too bad. Like the the issue with, uh, we'll go back to Matthews. Yep. Uh, if you really look at it, it was more of an interference than a hold because he didn't really yep. hold him. He yep. just kind of pushed him into the. There was board. an infraction there. We it, we, it was, we, an, it we, was can a all, we can all agree. It, to that. it was a penalty with the referee sitting right there looking at it. Yes. However, he's probably not going to call that because would he have called that? Really, you know what I mean? That's kind of one of those, eh, I'm not going to It's in overtime, that. so probably overtime, not. I'm, I'm going to let that go. Now, if he would have lifted his stick and hit him right in the face and made him bleed, might have been a penalty. Who shot the puck over the glass. Obvious penalty. Something where you cannot not call it because it's so blatant. Like uh, too many men on the ice. Because the other night they had a too many men on the ice call in overtime. They had to call it. There was seven, six guys on the ice, like, in the middle of the ice, you kind of had to call that. And uh, that's what they're going to call. They're not going to call these little, oh, a little bit of a hook. Ovechkin was, wasn't a little bit of a hook. It was, oh, yeah. a, it was a 1990s Mario Lemieux <laughs> trying to go in on a breakaway uh, yeah. defensive uh, thing because that's how they played defense in the 90s. Um, but that's the issue with the refing is Nazem Kadri, not a Kadri fan, not, not a fan. But in that one game, he, uh, hooked or did something to someone slashed or hooked someone not a hard slash or anything and the guy went down like a ton of bricks he gets the penalty and he's arguing well that's a he dove like that that was a dive and the referee yeah you can see it on the television you still slashed him 
You know what I mean? You still slashed him. So he got the penalty. Later in the game, similar thing happens to Kadri. Kadri goes down. Referee looks at him. I'm not calling that because you dove. But he still hit, but he still, it was still an infraction. Your, your excuse to Kadri was it was an infraction. So he's still calling it. But now your excuse to him is his dove. And I mean, and Kadri's known for taking yeah. Greg Luganis type dives. Same with, and Brad Marchand's the same way. Tom Wilson, another guy. Yeah. He will never get the good side of a call. A lot of it's based on your, but it shouldn't be based on your play. Gallagher will never win an inter- goalie interference goal ever never, in his life. Never. Well, even I mean, if he's Christ. five feet away, even if he's five feet away from the goalie, and it just goes, the puck goes by him. They'll be like, "Oh no, you're too close." They gave him an he's interference farted. call. They gave him an interference call in the Edmonton game on the guy who put a stick out on the ice from the bench. Correct, yeah. which should be a too many men on the ice penalty because you're not allowed to have your stick out on the. It's on it's the actually an interference penalty on a bench minor. On a bench minor. But, but they instead, they gave it to Gallagher because they could Gallagher. at least gave the bench miner and Gallagher a penalty. Yeah. Gallagher a misconduct for flipping the stick way yeah. up in the air. Yeah, they could have said you know, for... unsportsmanlike conduct or something like that or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but this is the issue. And don't get me wrong, I'm not against the referees putting their whistle away. I'm not against that. You know what I mean? I'm not against for them letting a little bit go. Yeah, as long as it's on as both sides. As long as it's on both sides and they don't pick and choose who and when they're going to call the penalties. No, like if they're the going to put their whistles away, call the blatant shit. Anything you know that mean? could lead to a scoring chance, like the uh, the Correct. Matthews the Matthews penalty, well, the penalty that uh, uh, Chitron should have had, that would have been Matthews on a breakaway. That should have mm-hmm. been called for that reason. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I digress. We'll, uh, we'll move on from this. We'll go to the trade deadline stuff. Um, we talked a little bit about Lekkanen earlier, but we'll switch over to Sherratt. Um, so in the last couple of games, the Canadians have been scouted fairly heavily, uh, by Pittsburgh, St. Louis, uh, Colorado and Minnesota. And last night's game against Seattle actually had the head pro scout for the Pittsburgh Penguins watching the game. So to Marco D'Amico, Edmonton was there as well. And they've been there for a while. And, uh, there's one other team, but I forget who he said it was, but. Florida. And Edmonton's been there the last two games. And Florida. Florida, correct, yeah. Uh, Sherratt, I think it's going to go to a West Coast team. Um, I think so, too. I think it's going to go to St. Louis. St. Louis just got a, a big injury on their blue line. Uh, or Dallas, because Dallas is having issues on their blue line as well. Yeah, Heineman Dal- got mono. And Klingberg Yeah, so Miro Heiskanen's got mononucleosis. And then Klingberg, well, they don't even know if he's going to come back. But yeah. now you can keep him bring in another player. And then when Heiskanen's back to go back, back going, that's well, there's your LTIR relief player coming back to help yeah. save the day. Yeah. The, the, but, with, uh, but with uh, Ch- what's his name? Chikurin or Chitron Chitron yeah, and, and Klingberg injured. Sherrod's yeah. value just skyrocketed through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we're going to get all the first round picks for him because teams are going <laughs> to trade for first round picks just to give them Canadians. Um, Sherratt is the only one Hughes has actually come out and said he will be trading at the deadline. Yeah. So he pretty, his last interview he did a couple days ago, he pretty much came right out and said, Sherratt will not be a Canadian after the, after the deadline. He's the only one. And I don't even think he said it in those words. I think he just pretty much said, yeah, he's gone. (laughs) Yeah. He also in the same interview with uh, Eric Engels uh, said that, Petrie, nothing's changed there. He's still going to get right. traded. 
but there's no timeline window. No, I, I think Petrie is an off-season trade. I think it's going to be, and, yeah, and, and it, it'll. I think it's going to. I think it's going to be Detroit, just because I think that's where Petrie kind of wants to head to. And they need they need some veteran defensemen there after yeah. this this season. Yeah. And with uh, Pittsburgh or sorry Philadelphia re-signing uh, Rostelin into that ridiculous deal, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't see Petrie going there at all. No, no, six no, and a half no. million. But with Sherratt. Um, yeah, so you, you made a good point. The two guys that were ahead of him on the trade, the trade board are now both hurt and they're out. And a lot of people were kind of, well, in the press in Montreal were harping on Hughes for not pulling the trigger sooner saying, oh, you're just holding out. You're asking too much. No, it but could is work he? out in their favor. It could work but out in their favor now. It though. could. He could probably ask more now. Teams were going to be waiting until about this week anyway for the maximum amount of savings they can get under the cap. The Canadians are obviously going to, I would assume, take at least half of his cap hit. Yeah. Well, right now, say with Dallas, um, that was a team that a lot of people were saying, well, Klingberg is going to move out. So a natural position would be to trade Petrie to them. And then you know, for assets or for this or for this or for whatever. The fact that now they've lost Heiskanen, Klimbert's probably not going to go anywhere, especially as they're trying to battle for their own playoff spot. So I can't see very much of a deal being made there, but I really think it's going to come down to who's, who's going to be the first one to get traded. Is it going to be Sherratt? Is it going to be a Josh Manson? Is it going to be a Giordano, et cetera? Like who's going to be the first kind of domino to fall and then see what happens from there. The thing is though, uh, Teams are looking for Sherratt for the defensive help in the playoffs. Yes. The style of the game that Giordano is more of an offensive defenseman. So if they want more offense, they're going to go Giordano. If they want more defense and more teams, I mean, you could even, although Muzzin, they say Muzzin's going to be back, you could even throw the lease in the mix on Sherratt. It's just whether or not they're going to have the have the money to well i mean it's not like he doesn't bring any offensive game and he's got seven no, goals this year which is but, more than morgan riley has yeah. no but that's not uh but that's not what he's going to be looked at when they're no no they no, want that but, guy that's going to clear the front of the net although he's got some wheels sherrod has Chirac for, has a big guy, for a big guy and you're absolutely right it's not like he has no offense um but uh, I don't know. It'll be. A, I still think he's going to a West team, and uh, all the best to him. And I'm I'm interested to see what the return is going to end up being, because yes. now now I'm I'm wondering if there's going to be a uh, uh, a bidding war because the Rangers are looking for defensemen. They're on the left side. Uh, Sherratt plays both sides, so the Avalanche we're looking for that. Florida, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's definitely looking for that too. Yeah, if think, uh, if uh, if for the Avalanche, if they don't take a run at say a guy like Giroux with yeah. uh, with Landeskog going down, then yeah, I could see them taking a taking a run at a at a defenseman. It, with Sherrod, and, and Gerard's out as well. Yeah, with Sherrod, it'll be interesting because uh, you absolutely know they're going to want to get a prospect, an A, an A, an A class, at least a, a high B or an A prospect, because they've already come out and said they'd rather a D one D two guy over a draft pick yeah yeah Hughes is Hughes and Gordon have pretty much already said that so I see 
if a first round is brought into it, maybe a A minus B type prospect. If there's no first, you're looking at an A plus prospect coming the other way. Yeah, this is the kind of trade that if he can if he can really maximize the return, this would be massive home run. It's it could be a, a, a game changer for the Canadians. Yeah. Especially if they get a team that wants to get him that's kind of in that fighting for that playoff spot. So they're kind of in the middle. Like if he can go to a team that's at uh, 14th or 15th, you know what I mean? Or, or, you know, like right in that little, they might make the playoffs, they might not. And they get a first round pick out of that, they're laughing. Because if they don't make the playoffs, they get two top 15 picks. Yeah, and you'll see if something like that were to happen, it'd be a West Coast, uh, Western That's, Conference. It'd be team a Western Conference yeah. team, but I, I don't see him going to. The, I'd see him going to like a one of the teams that are already in a playoff spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. safe, and they just want something for the playoffs. So now, so. Uh, Jake Allen's going to be coming back very soon, and if he does come back this week, do you guys think he's going to get moved? No, no. I, I think I think he's I think he's safe. I think the goalie Hammond market is healthy. Is, the goalie market is expensive right now, and people are getting a good return on goalies. So, with Montembeau playing the way he is, with uh, Price possibly coming back by the end of the season, he's he's eyeing a return in April. I, I think mean, if we knew for sure Price was coming back, maybe. Uh, if Hammond, I think, was healthy. Uh, and he continued to play the way he was playing in his first three games, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but with Monta, I mean, I'm kind of biased because I'm not a big Montebo fan. But uh, no, no, I, I, think I don't with the see around, but... inconsistency. I think they want a consistent goalie in there. Yeah. Allen Allen is a very um, team friendly contract for a backup goaltender for what he can bring to the lineup, especially yeah. when especially when Price is healthy and playing up to his standard. Um, Obviously, now with the injury concerns and him obviously missing so far the, the majority the, all of this season, um, then I, I'm kind of looking. It's, we've had those. We've had the um, the rumors of them looking at Ilya Samsonov. So maybe to bring in a more, say, a more capable backup or a more, not even necessarily a one A one B situation. You know, Price would still get the majority of the games. He'd probably play 50, 50, 50 games, say, say or sure, or maybe. 45 and then you'd give the rest to another to that other goaltender right now with Allen, even though I'm a big Allen fan, big, big, big fan of him. You, you can't give him say half the games or just under half the games. If they get Samson. All right. So the scenario comes out, they get Samson off of the deadline. Then for sure. I think, I think you see Allen. Yeah. At least shopped around. Yeah. But where, where is he going to go? What, what team in the playoffs doesn't already have their number one goalie? Edmonton. Toronto. <laughs> Toronto, yeah, there's a no, no. A would, it wouldn't be there. it wouldn't be Allen. They do need a goaltender, I yeah, think, but, to actually make a substantial but run. That, that's but. what I'm saying. I, I, I don't see even Edmonton, maybe, but is Allen that much of an upgrade that he's going to carry him to the cup? He's a he's a definite upgrade. Definite upgrade, but I don't know. And I'm not and I'm not trying to shit on Allen here. I'm not. I'm just no, looking no, at no, it no, as no. a like. Who, who's going to be, you know, who are going to be the guys yeah. in, in terms of who's going to be behind the net or in front of the net. But, right? but so. it, it's, um, 
I think a lot of things have to come into play for Allen to be traded at the deadline. Like if they're serious about Samsonov, then yes, I can see them moving him to bring Samsonov in. Uh, if they're not, I don't see Allen going anywhere. No. In the goaltending market for free agency right now, the two guys that I can see that would be moved if he wants to move, obviously Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be the top of that list. And the secondary one would be Braden Holtby out of Dallas. Because right yeah. now he's playing behind um, Ottinger. So. Halak is also on the market. They're looking to trade him. Halak's having a horrible season, but uh, yep. still looking to move yeah. Uh, now, Speaking, moving on. Yeah, one, go ahead. I've got one more. I've got one more piece of information. Uh, Darren Drager posted oh this yesterday. Um, Darren Ferris, the agent of Senators defenseman Victor Mete, has been given permission to speak to teams about a potential trade. What? Return, return will likely be a draft pick, but there's interest. So, right now, um, he has appeared in uh, 31 games this year. Uh, ice time is fourteen fifty six a game, so obviously elite, um, you know, top pairing. Well, how do you, uh, how do you even bother to put a, a franchise altering defenseman on the market like that? I, I know, and he hasn't played since the twenty sixth of February. So obviously they're just resting him for yes. um, resting. They don't, him want, they don't want him to get hurt. Deal. They don't yeah. want him to get hurt because in case he gets traded. But uh, but yeah, wow. there you go. So there, That's so, game altering. So <laughs> with this, with this huge tweet that does come out from Darren Drager. I think that um, that's going to gauge the market of what we're going to return for sure. Shiraz value just dropped. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Just dro- wait, so, I'm looking up what tiger team has to say. About <laughs> no one plays between the blue lines like he does. Oh, amazing. I love um, how he gets so confused when he gets in the offensive zone. <laughs> now, speaking of depth defensemen, we're going to move on to Brett Kulak. Now, yeah. Kulak has been on the market. He is a free agent at the end of the year, but under St. Louis, he has seen a resurgence. Do you, feel, do you guys feel like he is going to stay, or is he still on the market? I still think that he'd be on the market. Same, I'd, say, I'd say the same thing for Weidman, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I, I think uh, Hugh's going to try to get rid of all his free agent, his upcoming UFAs. See what he can get the assets for him. I mean, you got Schooneman, who's also really played well under uh, under St. Louis, and he's pretty much in the same spot Kulak would be in if uh, he stayed. So why keep Kulak at what two point seven five million? I think one point eight. One point eight. Okay, yeah. when you have eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars Schooneman doing the same thing, and Gianni Fairbrother down in the AHL, you can call up. To- and it opens up a roster spot for Harris to sign yeah, and yeah, walk right Harris uh, was Struble. I don't think Struble signed in this year. I think he already said he wasn't going to. Yeah. But, uh, got Caden Gooley coming up as well. Caden Gooley yeah. coming up. Uh, I, I think I don't. I like Kulak. I don't mind Kulak. I think Kulak gets a bad rap from a lot of a lot of people. I mean, I know the analytic guys love Kulak. I kind of a, that one. I'll kind of agree with. Uh, limited minutes. I think Kulak's a great defenseman, um, but. Uh, get something for him if you can. Uh, I think if they do keep him though, if they do, and that's a big if, um, he would provide that uh, that insurance so that you don't have to have Gooley step up. You can you, it forces the coaching staff to keep the young guys down in the farm for at least a year. Yeah, it's all what they want to do with their 
prospects coming up and how they want yeah. to develop them. Yeah. Do they want to throw Harris and Gooley right into the NHL? Yeah. Or do you they still want them have to... Norlander as well? That's right. Or do they want them to go into the, the Laval for a while? If that's the case, then I mean, because if you think about it, if Petrie's gone, Sherrod's gone, Kulak signed, doesn't sign an extension, and he's gone, you're left with Romanov, Savard, Edmondson. That's pretty much it. <laughs> so you're, you're going to be able to re, reformat your entire blue line yeah, in one season but it all depends on if what they do at the in the off season with free agents as well if they, go hard, after, yeah. if they go hard after Latang, well you got your top four yeah speaking of speaking of like a brand new defensive line though we could be looking at laval next season and seeing Gooley norlander Fairbrother, jack guy josh brook it could be a very revamped blue line for them as well. And some of these yeah. guys could even be on the Canadians roster. You could even see Logan Mayu if you think they're going to sign him. I think he'll get signed, but I don't see him moving up to the, uh, the pros. He's only going to be 19, so he'll play another year. I don't, I don't think he'll be signed till next year. I think he's signed this summer. Yeah. I think so. I know people are going to yell at me because, you know, of his background, but I, I honestly think that the Canadians are. I think going they're going to sign him. I think they're going to sign him. I think he's going to be a good NHL defenseman, but yes, just me. Yeah. I think he, he's a steal at 31. I'm sorry, but he was. Talent-wise, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So final thoughts, Matt. Um, I got none, actually. I hope, uh, I hope everyone's doing very well. It's, uh, it's good to be back on the show after, uh, after a week. Um, continuing to stay busy at work. I got a lot of courses going on. Hasn't been set in stone, but uh, likely deployment coming up. And uh, if that's the case, hopefully I'll still be able to do as many shows as possible. But we'll see, depending on uh, depending on what uh, environment I'm in. Let's just say that. Greg? Uh, nothing. Just getting prepared for my big move in July. Um, I'll be putting a looking for friends ad on and the Ottawa one ads. <laughs> I'm very antisocial and don't really like people and don't go out much, but Hey, if you want to hang, do it at a distance. Um, and that's it. <laughs> that's all I got. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm still, I'm, I'm working on my career course. I got this big career course that's going on so I can get my promotion. So yeah, that's going to take up a lot of time. That's, that's partially why for our listeners, why we only got the one show out this week. We apologize. We, we want to do more, but uh, scheduling conflicts caused this to happen. So yeah. we're going to try our best to get the two out per week, but for the, for the next couple of weeks, it's going to be tough. So just keep an eye out for us and we'll try our best. I just finished a career course, the ILP. So, or the, yeah. and then I'm going away for three weeks for that <laughs> in May. So whoop, whoop. Busy. one more thing, breaking news. From Elliot Friedman. Ooh. Cedric Pocket has cleared waivers. <laughs> yes, we didn't lose him. Thank God. Actually, he'll help Laval. Oh, he probably he'll probably he probably light it up like crazy in Laval. Oh yeah. I, I will laugh my ass off if he does. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh you guys have been very supportive for us. Uh, we've been getting all kinds of uh great comments and emails. Keep them coming. Um, I think maybe in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start doing a, uh, a fan segment. So maybe we'll work towards something where 
you can send us a, uh, an email and we'll we'll cover your topic so yeah anyway thanks for listening and remember if you were talking about it so are we be sure to go to habsunfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways all the great sponsors all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice in the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.